welcome to Movie Flex Double Features. Why movie? Because we love movie. Why flex? Because me and Matt met in a ballet class. I, of course, am your host, S. Stebs, uh, uh, at S. Stebs, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, joined every week, as always, by the man who keeps me sane, Matt, at, a.k.a. at Prosting Pro. Matt, how you doing? I'm all right. Um, I just wanted to let everyone know that we we're in that ballet class because we had to make fun of the kid. Uh, in our school yeah. you know mark Wahlberg, the other guy's reference <laughs> his second best role ever i i've said that before and i'll say it again but first i have to get to our guest i'm very excited they said it couldn't be done but in your faces guys we finally got a lady on the pod our first female guest uh from the group chat obviously a longtime friend who she said she's like i dare you to let me on the pod because i don't you shouldn't give me that much power and of course me and matt were gamers you know so we were like of course you should come on the pod uh at buck broken 99 aka gg gg how's it going i'm doing i'm doing great now hell yeah yeah i'm trying to get high i don't I don't know if Matt knows this, but the last movie I logged on Letterboxd before watching the two movies for the episode was The Other Guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a I classic. Said, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've said it before. Like, a Wahlberg, like, ETA discovered really early in his career that he should be, like, the full triumphant, but, like, his whole career, mm-hmm. Wahlberg, because of his ego, has been trying to, like, play against type and be, like, the alpha hero, the warrior. Uh, and he just kind of mm-hmm. comes off as goofy. And, like, the closest he's got to playing Dirk Diggler is, like, the other guys. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that's his, mm-hmm. like, that's another role that people say is, like, one of his best. Um, yeah, the other one I put the other one I put in that conversation all the time is uh, uh, Daniel Lugo mm-hmm. from Pain and Gain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's definitely playing that kind of like, like, like the ones where he's, mm-hmm. tough guy. The ones where he's willing to like let you laugh at him are like different. <laughs> They're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always nice to when you're like, oh no, he kind of does have a sense of humor. It's like, it's like a like when I was a kid, I would have cousins who would like, they would like start doing a character, they would start doing a bit, or they would be like, you know, uh, actually dead, right? Uh, and I'd be like, okay, you're just kidding, right? And I'd be I'd like beg them to break character, and they just wouldn't. They would just be like, no, I'm dead. You're just seeing a dead person. And I would I would like cry because I'd be like, they said they're dead. Uh, so yeah, like seeing Mark Wahlberg like let you laugh at him is kind of like him being like, oh yeah, I'm just kidding, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we always like to start the pod with discussing stuff outside of the double feature uh that we've watched um matt i know we've watched a couple of the same things uh gg you just said that you watched the other guys is there anything else that you you know or just it doesn't have to be this week it could be like anything that you just want to talk about or like you're really passionate about or it could it could, it doesn't even have to be a movie it could be like part of the discourse you know something on twitter <laughs> making you mad that that's like that's a common theme you know that's uh something me and matt uh complain about what's going on on twitter basically yeah. yep that's great that's a- i'm on two podcasts and we both have this same thing where it's like yeah it's mostly about stupid twitter shit uh yeah no i'm i'm always getting into incredibly stupid twitter shit because i'm very mm. com- i'm a combative person sure. i think in general <laughs> um but I, I wanted to come on the podcast to talk about uh my uh, other passion mm. um which is uh esoteric forms of racism (laughs) yeah yeah old like old forgotten forms of racism you know like 
uh, slurs that haven't been used in a hundred years. Yeah, that's always good. Like, I don't know if there's like a name for that in uh, anthropology, but uh, you know, maybe if I knew yeah, it was, know. you know, maybe I'd have a different career path at this point. You know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I I have a weird fascination with this, especially in movies. The um, there's a there's a podcast of another set of mutuals of ours that I've been trying to get on as well, mm. so that I can do a movie that is insanely racist from the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man! And uh, the, one of the most recent movies I watched. Um, I'll just tell you the most recent things I've watched with my girlfriends because mm-hmm. I watched uh, the other guys was one of them, along with a very. If either of you ever seen either Blue Mountain State or The Rise of Fadland? I have seen Blue Mountain State, the TV show, right? Yeah. Well, they yeah, made a yeah. movie, and it's oh, okay. very stupid. <laughs> Um, and I also I also made uh, her watch bu- um, Buck Breaking, the documentary to reconnaissance yeah. Magnum Opus, which is ho- like one of the most deranged, incredible things I've ever seen. I yeah, um, I know it's... Judge Joe Brown is in it. He was on. Yes, he is, and he's <laughs> he... spitting fire. <laughs> yeah, he he was on an episode of the Kwame Brown podcast, and um, he just like ah. rambles on and on about fucking like. God knows what yeah. he's talking about, but yeah, incredible uh, because like it's so freeform. He's just like it's just flowing from idea to idea. It loops back around constantly. It feels yeah. like six hours long. It's so it's incredible. Yeah, he's fucking <laughs> Allen Ginsberg. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, Matt, what have you watched? Um, just a comment on that. Judge Joe Brown's awesome. We used to watch his uh, his show. <laughs> <laughs> come home from school my parents would be watching judge joe brown and also my dad would always get super he'd watch judge judy and would always get super mad at her <laughs> like, this bitch. i'm like why are you watching her he's like i'll oh, fuck her i'm watching her because i hate her <laughs> nice. crazy he invented um, hate watching. yeah he's he was uh very into hate watching everything mm-hmm. uh i saw three thousand years of longing um, oh, I need to see that. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to like talk too much about it, but like the marketing of that movie definitely does not do it justice at all. Um, it's like a completely different movie than it's marketed, which most movies are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but like it's, it's literally like a tone shift of like, this is what we're marketing as. And this is like actually what it is. And it's very different. So if you go in and like, are actually like engaged with what it is, you know, mm-hmm. instead of what you thought it would be, then I think you're going to have a certified good time at the movies. But if you're like me and thought it was something different and then going in and watching it and was like, Oh, this isn't what it was at all. Um, you will have a all right time at the movies. Or if you're my friends who don't like that type of stuff, you will have a certified bad time at the movies. So it's very, uh, you know, dependent on, I think, your mindset going in. But, yeah, I watched that. And then, um, because the group chat was talking about Bond. Um, Gigi, I know you don't like Bond, but... Um, There's I enough have reasons to... to cancel me without talking about my Bond opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Uh, I have the, uh, the taste of an old man um, mm. in terms of movies. So, I'm actually, I've always been like a pretty big like spy movie fan um and so i decided to start watching some bonds that i haven't seen so i've only gotten through one so far um and it was for your eyes only and it they it was fun 
Mm-hmm. You, you watched uh, you watched the Manti Teo doc, right? Oh yeah, I did watch the Manti Teo doc. Yes, the girlfriend who doesn't who doesn't exist who didn't exist. Yeah, I want to talk about this real quick because uh, yeah, Gigi, I don't know if you've ever I don't know if you've seen this, but basically, I, I have, have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so it, it's actually pretty interesting. So like Netflix, they have this like series of docs called like. Um, untold like, untold right yeah and so it's all of these like different stories and what's interesting to me personally is like they're stories that i remember and that i they're actively all, followed they're all sports or like yeah leisure sports related so there's one about like a fisherman and there's a couple different ones like one about some basketball yeah. coach yeah, I, I watched Malice at the Palace, which I remember when it happened. That was when the Pacers and the Detroit Pistons had a big brawl. I remember like recording footage off the TV and like seeing it now and seeing the story and seeing all of these guys that I love and seeing them like talk about like you know what they did. Like it, it's very cool. Uh, so the one me and Matt watched uh, again, it was this famous story. I remember reading the big story like within the first twenty minutes of it dropping because I was a big Deadspin head at the time. But basically, there was this guy named Manti Teo. He was a Hawaiian football player, went to Notre Dame, was a finalist for the Heisman twice, took Notre Dame to uh, the national championship, uh, but, you know, didn't quite win the Heisman, didn't quite win the championship. But he had this, like, story going his senior year of, like, how he was doing his senior year for his, like, dead mother and um, or his dead grandmother and his dead girlfriend. Um, But the thing is, is that it turns out his girlfriend didn't exist and he was being catfished um and it's where a lot of people learned of the concept of catfishing and uh you know like i said it definitely changed the way i thought of him because there was definitely a prevailing thing at the time of thinking that he was in on it because he sort of he basically like he like he you know like his senior year was good but it wasn't heisman good but he was still a finalist and a lot of people credited that to like um his story, but uh, actually negative effect negatively affected him in like his I didn't realize. Uh, so it's very interesting. Matt, what do you think about it? Um, yeah, I I thought it was really interesting. It, it definitely captured my attention. I, I didn't know the Manti Teo story like that well because I'm not a huge fan of college football. But yeah, that was a huge thing because he took because Notre Dame was in a slump, so yeah. he took him to the the national the national championships and then. Doc is kind of weird because it's like kind of says it kind of theorizes that Manti Taylor is the reason they lost the national championship, but like Alabama was blowing them out. Like you have to realize Manti Taylor is on defense. Like he was on yeah, defense, yeah. offense, you know. So it's not safety, like he's yeah, he's a linebacker, I think. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was very interesting the way the documentary framed it, which obviously it's gonna like because it's all about Manti Teo and yeah. You know, losing his first round pick and and everything. So yeah. Also, I really quickly uh, I watched a movie called Cobra. Gigi, I feel like you've seen this. Cobra. Something yeah, tells. Okay, yeah. T- something tells me you've seen Cobra. Yeah. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on it because I watched it because basically Taylor Sheridan had a new show coming out with Sylvester Stallone called The King of Tulsa. Mm. It's set oh. in the '60s in Oklahoma. It's about like a mom guy who got excommunicated to Oklahoma. And he's like restarting a fan, you know, a mob business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you think of Cobra? Because actually, I made the mistake of watching uh, Stone Cold before I watched Cobra, and that's kind of like a ripoff, but better, you know. Weird. 
Cobra yeah, is fucking I, cool. What else is there to say about Cobra besides it owns? Like, yeah, it's like the, it's like it's it's Stallone in the middle of the eighties, and he's got a big, cool-looking gun and shades. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I'm sure I've I've no idea like what. I'm sure if you looked up what like the Rotten Tomato score or whatever it is, I'm sure it's low. Yeah. I'm sure that like the general consensus is this movie's bad. Yeah, but I care. I like Cosmatos. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce yeah. that person's name. How do you say that? Cosmatos? Um, Cobretti? No, no, no. The, the director. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. If it's not, you know, Spanish, I probably can't pronounce it. Or I have, French. I have no idea. Yeah, whatever. That guy, that guy, that guy seems cool. And Sylvester Stallone is doing cool things. I don't know what else to say about it. It's a fun movie. Um, It was a cool era of, like, Movies that, yeah, maybe are kind of shitty, but they're um, a rocking good time. I wish I had that mm-hmm. movie on VHS. That's my final review. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> and um, <laughs> really quickly, because I need like, nope, we don't have a bonus episode. We haven't like, really talked to anyone else about though. Did you like, oh, yeah. like that, or, or is it just me and Matt? Oh my yeah. god, I fucking love Nope. I, everyone okay, on cool. my timeline is raving about Nope. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, um when I, uh, the first time I saw it, I thought it was better than us but not as good as get out yeah. second viewing i think it's a little bit better than get out actually yeah, um, i would agree uh it, it took me a second viewing but i'm there and uh it's top three of the year for me um it's mm-hmm. really really good uh yeah my, I, I, my, I, my big three this year that are like movies are back movies mm. are that are are an ambulance okay yeah yeah, ambulance. No, no Maverick. I I really thought maybe Maverick would be up there. But, Maverick, uh... Ma- Maverick. I I think I have a list somewhere, but I think my list literally goes like those three, and then um, Mad God, and then mm. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, Mad God for me it would probably be like Mad God, Maverick, and um, Predator. I think or Prey. I mean, Prey. Or... Yeah. Did you? Me and Matt love that as well. Did you? Did we, but we didn't. We haven't had like an outsider opinion. Um. Are we Sims for that movie? Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's okay, like. Yeah. The best thing. I don't think it's the best thing that came out this year. I don't think it's in the same conversation as those other movies. Um, but it's good. I think it's. Um, I think it's better than all but the first two Predator movies of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I see. Uh, I, think I, see that. I think it's like in my mind, it's like about like. Almost as good as the first one. I think the second one's the best one, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe for my top three this year, I don't know. I I want to do like Mad God, The Northman, and Top Gun, but nope. I want to put nope in there now. You know. No, nope, you yeah. haven't seen RR. So that's also, something you that. Definitely. I, do you, Do you know how many times I've seen RR? Have I told you this? Like uh... seventeen times. <laughs> I'm curr- I'm currently on sixteen times viewing this three hour movie. Yeah, yeah, I try not to talk about it because I feel really like I'm disappointing by not watching it. But um, yeah, you I will, are. I will I'm watch it. With this movie. What are you doing? I'll watch yeah. it with you. I'll make you watch it. Yeah, well, you will be back on, and you know, after I watch RRR, when we talk about it for sure, of course, you're welcome. And like all re- uh, returning guests, you know, just knock on the door and say, "Hey, I got a double feature." You know, we'll see you in there. Um, Hell yeah! Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah, speaking yeah, yeah. of which, should we talk about? This week's double feature? Yeah, I'm just about to get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this week's double feature, uh, why don't you kind of, yeah, explain what the theme is and 
and uh i mean i kind of know what the theme is but yeah just like picked it and stuff mm-hmm. okay well uh the theme is uh viva mexico viva <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, by way of American movie makers in the fifties and sixties, to be clear, like like the podcast title will be like Viva, but like the real title is Brownface. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's actually Viva Brownface or whatever okay, Brownface yeah. in Spanish is. That is the title of the episode. <laughs> mm. um, uh, because this is this is a this is a pair of movies uh, that um, uh, originally I, I had a different Brownface movie that was unrelated. Um, but then, uh, when Matt told me I needed to pick two, I went back and I thought about the other brown face movies that I've seen in my life. Mm. And I realized that there was a very movie on that. Sweet, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're gonna start with Viva Zapata, 1952. Uh... I don't even want to say who directed it. I kind of build up to that because I kind of want to like explain. I feel like there's a lot of context for this movie. There's a lot like going on. There's a lot people should know going in, you know? There's so much. Please. Yeah, Um, yeah. There's there's a lot to say. I don't, maybe that wasn't a very good intro, but uh, I don't know where to even begin with these two movies. They're really, they occupy a very special part in my brain. (laughs) We're going to find it together. Yeah, well, it's a team effort, you know? So yeah, we're we're starting with Viva Zapata. Like I said, I feel like there's a lot of context. I won't do my whole spiel. I'll do a part of it, and then I want to get you guys quick reactions, and especially Gigi, obviously, because you picked this. Uh, Matt, though, I'm insanely curious of what you thought about these movies because now when I watch these movies for the pod, I'm just like, God, what's Matt gonna think? You know, um, good or bad, whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, so this uh, this film, it, like, it's a it, you know, it's about the Mexican Revolution in uh to place you know turn of the 20th century uh i remember as a kid like you know basically in the 90s i discovered rage against the machine and then i got like evil empire and i read the lyrics and i and you know it opened my world to like you know this whole world of like you know guys who like you know did the damn thing right like zapata the fact that he led the peasant revolution to you know it's like that like i don't know what better role model to look up to you know and so like as a young person trying to shape my identity like this stuff was like very important you know like in like because i feel like the one thing that these guys all had in common was that they did the right thing and that they like and i was like oh that's really cool so that's all i'm gonna be uh and you know sometimes i am sometimes I'm not but basically yeah and then so you know in this film obviously we've got marlon brando playing zapata um and you know i i don't think like this movie doesn't get made without marlon brando right so if it takes marlon brando playing zapata like i said i don't i obviously wasn't offended you know as someone who like grew up on spaghetti westerns like seeing italians in brown face is like it doesn't even phase me you know and i Mm -hmm. think ultimately like oh it got the story to the screen it kind of you know i feel like brando's just a guy who like sees a guy like he'll see zapata or like um teddy roosevelt and just be like oh that's me you know um (laughs) you know like he doesn't he's just like that kind of guy uh and then there's the i saw it so i you know so i I, this was all like going in i knew this stuff and then i saw written by john steinbeck extremely based directed by Elia kazan holy shit the (laughs) screech on the brakes uh i can get into it later more but i want to get you guys' thoughts 
Um, Gigi, do you want to give us your thoughts? Uh, sure. Um, well, I want to say my first encounter with this movie was in a high school classroom. <laughs> mm. oh. <laughs> I was shown this in my high school history class. <laughs> <laughs> and my reaction uh, upon getting to this point was, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, am, what am I watching? <laughs> How does this movie exist? And I kept asking myself that basically till the end, because like, I mean, I mean, we can get into it, but like, it's a, it's a, it's wild that this exists at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. While like, yeah, there's several things that are problematic about it. I don't think that the, the brown face is actually the, my biggest peeve with it politically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it is, it, it does uh, uh, valorize this figure in a way that uh, I didn't expect when I was in high school. And uh, seeing it again now, I connect to a lot of other figures that I, I think you were alluding to a second ago. Like sure, there's yeah, the, yeah. the through line in the movie about his, like, uh, how absurdly down to earth Brando Zapata is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's like something there about, uh, there's a unique, I think, quality to, uh, like the way that I, there's something about, uh, Latin American revolutionary leaders that yeah, almost, yeah. Like, there's something about, um, just being in touch. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. In like the rest of the world. Yeah. It's something like I said, as a, you know, a young latin boy you know that was something that i was always like man like who am i you know who do i look up to and then i see all these people and like i said it's like oh they always did the right thing you know so okay that's what i'm gonna be you know there's something about like just you you're like oh you have to have like passion for justice or something and i think like spiritually brando captures that like um and then there's a couple of other brando things that i want to mention but matt i want to get your thoughts first um yeah so i i i like this movie a lot it's got a lot to unpack mm-hmm. in it like we said um it's just like literally like a uh like that vince mcmahon meme when he's like leaning back and he's like you know like yeah, doing yeah. the o face or whatever it's like yeah, more it's yeah. like the a movie that's, yeah <laughs> it's like a, a movie with like like a uh like a western movie that's like uh, got Marlon Brando like playing a Mexican guy, yeah. written by John Steinbeck, directed by Alea Kazan. You know, it's just yeah. constantly like one more thing to break your brain. Um, but yeah, I it's a ba- basically like it's so weird watching like the two the Kazan movies that I've seen, like this and On the Waterfront, because like we all know that he's a rat fuck. Yeah. Um, Thank you but, for saying like, it, because I was like. Should I call him a rat fuck or is that too aggressive? But no, fuck him and his progeny, bitch. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, he's a rat fuck. And uh, it's crazy because, like, the movies that he makes. So, like, you're right. Like, Zapata is, like, this um, revolutionary okay. figure for, the, like, the, the peasant. Peasantry, mm. right? Um, he, was, he was the one that organized the uh, indigenous... Um, population you know mm-hmm. um but like obviously that's not like we know kazan's real world politics and yeah, that's man. not simpatico with his real world politics so um but yeah it's like it's crazy because like I'll, I'll just go ahead and say like 
I was reading into the movie a little bit. Yeah. Like reading about it. And like, this is John McCain's favorite movie oh, ever. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Hell like, yeah. it's like, I think what the, I think they're not understanding like the political situation that like no. the real life story arrived from. And they just see like this guy who's like the, like, Ubermensch, like great. He don't like government. He don't like being government. (laughs) Yeah, basically. But it's a pretty good movie. It's you know. I also think that like something we should talk about, and something that I think we'll bring up again when we talk about the next movie, is uh, the way the way Brando plays Zapata is. um, It's not just mythologized to be a folk hero. He's also, Mm -hmm. uh, let's say, simplified. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of why this movie works at all and why people like John McCain might be able to stomach it is that, like, they... To me, the most racist thing in the movie is rewriting Zapata to... Spoilers. Mm -hmm. Zapata is illiterate in the movie. He was not in real life. That's Zapata. Yeah, that's insane, yeah. um, And, like, the... There's, like, a... There's a borderline noble savage, like, taste to the mythologization of this mm-hmm. character to me. Like, he becomes this, like, big, um, almost, like, a lumbering brute. Like, he's played, yeah. he's played as, like, quite the simpleton, um, mm-hmm. which, on one hand, is, I think, like, part of why this movie uh, is, like, not as radical as it could be and therefore, like, stomachable to those people, mm-hmm. but also makes for an incredibly funny middle chunk of the movie because of how yeah. Like, dude, like the read the the grip that his line reading of "I can't read" had on my uh, senior class was unreal. Um, we quoted that scene so many times. We uh, we me and Matt just did a uh, Wayne's World last week, and it reminded me of the scene where he was like splashing water in his face, and he's like, "I never learned to read," and she's like, "Is that true?" And he's like, "Yeah, everything except the not knowing how to read part." <laughs> um but yeah no that's like yeah it's incredibly insulting it's super funny though um and yeah it also i think like it it, it like reframes his desires and goals in a very like american lens right through a very american lens because because they're like oh well you know in america they have a democracy it's it's one man but he votes on the consent of the people and i was that was the funniest part to me you know when he was trying to explain american democracy i was like yo yo this is crazy what kind of sci-fi shit is this um but yeah i think like uh the thing like Brando, it's interesting so he only directs one other movie he only directs one movie his whole career um one eye jacks and um it's a western from the 60s it's very good everyone should watch it but like it's weird because it almost felt like an apologia because like i distinctly remember that was one of the that was maybe the only movie from that time that had multiple mexican characters actually played by mexican actors um and uh we all know like the uh like the oscar story like when the slap happened this year everyone was like oh there was a way uglier incident Basically, when he was, like, winning his uh, Oscar for The Godfather, he sent a Native American woman in his place to accept. And when she went up on stage, she talked about the unfair treatment of indigenous people. And John Wayne had to be physically restrained uh, from uh, assaulting her. Um, Yeah, so, which is, it's kind of crazy because they literally, like, a week and a half before we recorded this, like, they just, the the Academy just apologized to her. Um, Mm Yeah. 
And on a personal note, I grew up with my grandparents, watched a lot of Westerns. The one rule they had, which they still do have to this day, is no John Wayne movies, which is extremely based. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, yeah, and then also, yeah, so like, Brando's definitely like about something, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to assume that Brando's relationship to this character and this story is different than the director and a lot of the audiences. Um, Cause you're, yeah, you're right. And I would add that like, there have been uh, allegations you could call them. I would just mm-hmm. call them uh, rumors about yeah. uh, his uh, I- uh, involvement and space in the queer community with me and my people. Um, and he, for all those reasons, he's a very fascinating figure. And I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt as far as like his personal respect for the figure he was portraying, even mm-hmm. if the script dumbs him down quite a bit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. And Matt, I want to get your opinion on this, because the whole thing about, like, Ilya Kazan, if people don't know, is, like, during the Red Scare, McCarthyism in the 50s, the powers that be tried to purge all leftist and communist voices from Hollywood, and uh, uh, Ilya Kazan was one of the rat fucks who named names and ruined a lot of good people's lives, and uh, it's interesting, because, like, uh, you know, on the waterfront, I feel like it's so openly, like, anti-union, but this film is, like, like you said, it's, like, the opposite. It's, like, pro-revolutionary. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, so it's, like, this uh, this mythical figure of, like, the invisible, or not invisible, this mythical figure of, like, the individual worker who is, like, the the it's not it's not like a workers revolt you know in in either of the movies it's like the union is the bad guys because they're run by the mob and on the yeah. waterfront and it's this one worker who's got to like stand up to him you know and like yeah. it's always like the individual it's always a worker but it's mm-hmm. always the individual so it's like you know like i said this this fucking rat fuck like doesn't <laughs> understand that like you know the workers as a collective are like you know do, like doing the damn thing um yeah yeah but, the individual the individualism angle is really interesting i'm, I'm glad you brought that up but yeah because that is very american right yeah for sure i mean because like also you know like like i said in, in this movie it's a, like an indigenous it's a, essentially like an indigenous revolt mm-hmm. right it was um natives that he uh was a part of and he uh led so it's like you know that gets referenced in in the movie but like it's just that th- they're like the movie frames um frames the uh the revolution as doomed if he is dead so they even say like cut off the snake and like the body yeah, will die yeah. you know um but in the end it's like oh well the only reason they can they're able to continue is cuz they can mythologize him which is ultimately yeah. like what the movie's doing too is mythologizing him but, yeah, uh, and uh, it should be noted, like, the, the whole idea of, like, Zapata living on, like, the Zapatistas are, like, a very real Marxist organization now. They live in the mountains of the Chiapas in Mexico. They're led by Subcomandante Marcos. Uh, they are, like, a very, like, leftist peasant, like, you know, um, force. And it's so funny, if you look up, like, uh, if you look at pictures of, like, Zapatistas, you'll see, like, the women, you know, it's all these peasant women, and they have, like, you know, the colorful, like, Mexican gowns that, you know, you you just kind of Mexican women wearing, but they also have on, like, black ski masks <laughs> and, uh, you know, fucking bodoleros. It's a very sick aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. also, it's yeah. it's Marxist I... and cool and leftist, but, yeah. But, yeah, it's yeah, also, well, like, I... substantive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But um, what, I, what I was going to say was, like, essentially, like, unfortunately, like, even with all the, the negative aspects of the movie, this movie is goaded with the sauce. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's a few things I want to talk about, actually, that are really sure. goaded in my mind. Go for it. Okay, like, I do want to talk about the end and the mythology angle mm-hmm. and both positive and negative things about that. Yeah. But first, I want to point out a few things that happened in this movie that have lived rent-free in my brain for like six years. <laughs> okay. Number one is how much sweat is on Marlon Brando at any one time. Yep. The size of, yeah. the, of the individual globules of liquid on this man's face are unprecedented in filmmaking in my mind. <laughs> he definitely has hyperhidrosis. There are these, it's not just that there's a bunch of beads of sweat. There'll be one or two that are the size of quarters. <laughs> Yeah, it's very thick sweat. Yeah. It's it's like gel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it looks like thick water or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's very cool because <laughs> this is actually maybe one of, this is one of my favorite um Brando performances even though it's a much simpler character than like obviously later in the 60s and 70s, Brando would go on to play like some of the most uh, breathtaking characters in like all of cinema. <laughs> yeah, most beautiful man ever on film, I would say. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But back in the 50s, he was playing this like a <laughs> uh, kind of lumbering simpleton version of Zapata. And the way he yeah. um, leans into the stereotype of like this uh, noble peasant guy who's yeah. kind of like, he can like, he's. I'm just going to say it. He's autistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Nice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's he can like barely look women in the eye. He like is insane in social interactions when he's like in meetings in the president's office. Mm. Um, And I, I don't know exactly the series of choices that led Brando to do things like his his reading of I can't read like his incredible arguments um with madero yeah yeah i was in mexico i was in mexico and i met a young autistic boy and he influenced everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's that thing there's that thing with the horse and the way he talks (laughs) about the horse is like (laughs) the best thing i'm gonna say about him yeah it's so detached he's so aloof he's just like man i really wish i still had that horse (laughs) Very cool. No, he put, yeah, he very is much. Yeah, now you say that. <laughs> I don't know. That's something no, I've thought no. about since I started in high school. And <laughs> it culminates for me in the scene where he is just lying around with a bunch of puppies arguing yeah. with his wife about their future. <laughs> I distinctly remember when that scene came on. I was like, whose idea was it for him to hold the puppy, right? Cause like yeah. is cause that, is that like a director thing that I need to remember in the future where I'm like oh this scene's kind of dead hey let's get a puppy you know I think so yeah because it really livens <laughs> up that scene the shot right it, it after it, where yeah. his wife like hits one of them but then like feels bad and cuddles it well mm-hmm. what what else what else uh, is written by John Steinbeck that features an autistic man with puppies <laughs> oh yeah it's not puppies it's rabbits but still <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there actually are a couple of Mexican actors in this. Um, the oh. uh, ant, the ant character, I believe, mm. and then um, 
his brother's wife, I think. Dude, I is, couldn't uh, tell the makeup was so good. <laughs> yeah, you know, they all look Mexican to me. They all look Navi to me. This is like 1950 Navi's shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> the Brando, the Brando makeup was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Brando's yeah. eyelashes looking incredible. <laughs> he has he has the perfect mustache, and it's different links at different times in the movie. But it's yeah. very it's a great mustache. There's nothing. He looks like, great. I I like as a Mexican like <laughs> anytime I've like shaved just the mustache like that's all people can say is like you know i'll like walk into a group of friends with a mustache and they'll be like i'll be like hey guys what's up and they'll be like mexican jesus <laughs> it's like just... a, like a looney tunes character <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's just a very like you know and yeah a lot of basically all the mexican men in my family have uh, mustaches so it's not an incorrect you walk in with a certain family and people just start doing the speedy gonzalez impression like <laughs> yeah without yeah them. yeah Oh, and I also want to say this. So, like, uh, probably a lot of people don't know this, but the main distinction in Mexico, like, uh, as far you know, like in America, we have like oh, white people, black people, uh, Mexicans, right. like, uh, in Mexico, generally, like, people would say, oh, they're all Mexicans, right? But uh, no. there is uh, there's all there's obviously class uh, class conflict bef- between like the richest people and the you know poorest people. That's the whole reason for the revolution was they were doing the hacienda system, where it was a few wealthy Mexicans who owned the land, and they would get a bunch of poor ones to work it, and they wouldn't pay them anything. Yeah. And that was kind of they the talk about this the revolution. The whole movie, the land is the whole. It's the wedge issue yeah. of the whole conflict. Yeah, hundred percent. And then um. So, uh, but yeah, what most people might not know is like, so the main distinction is between Indio and Mestizo, like Indio meaning like indigenous, like, uh, and then Mestizo meaning like mixed, you know, like a, a mix of like indigenous and European blood. Um, mm-hmm. That's how they say it in Spanish. That's those are the terms they use. Um, I say Indian in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's not. I, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that. But like I said, in, in Spanish, because they don't really do Spanish in the movie. But in Spanish, it's Indio. Like that's just like I have both in my family. I have like yeah. uh, and I have like really close ancestors who like are very you know we're just straight up indigenous. That that's why I like Prey too because I was like, oh, this is a movie about like my great grandma. Like. <laughs> um in my mind but anyway yeah so like uh but yeah that's kind of the main that's kind of the main distinction but like um uh but uh zapata was mestizo he was mixed yeah uh, allegedly yeah yeah um the references to what you're talking about that i just like that's a very good description but like the way that comes through in the movie are is just with one line that keeps getting repeated about uh tortillas (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's like, "Where do you think the corn comes for your tortillas?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have. They my say uh, yeah. they say padding tortillas like an, and they say the English version of it in the, um, yeah, uh, like three times I think in the movie. Different characters. Yeah, they say it a lot. Like I said, yeah, it's very like. I mean, I like obviously it was 1952, like, but I get why they're making the distinction because it is important like in the context of the revolution because it really was mostly indigenous people being like like led by even now like i think the guy that the leader of the zapatas like i think he's 
he's got he's definitely like mixed he's not indigenous but he also was like educated in the united states and stuff like it's crazy how um, many like revolutions were happening like that's what i found because like yeah. i don't because obviously you know the, the failing of the uh, american education system is a uh, not learning anything you know useful about any world history um so like obviously it's a big gap in 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 high school in high schools especially here like we don't talk about mexican history at all so it's like you know like learning about the different factions and how like it was all kind of converging like there's a bunch of different like powder kegs that were kind of going off at the same time with like pancho villa mm -hmm. and you know yeah um with zapata and like everyone just kind of being like yo fuck this guy <laughs> like, yeah yeah Let's go kill. Let's go march to the capital and go kill this motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I only know a lot of this stuff because I'm Mexican and I grew up in Texas. But even in Texas, like they tell us like all of this bullshit because we take a lot of like Texas history and it's yeah. all fucking racist and shit. Because like what they don't mention about like, okay, so basically Texas was a part of Mexico and they decided to secede. The reason why they decided to secede was because Mexico outlawed slavery. I think in 1836. But yeah, basically Mexico outlawed slavery and Texas was like, fuck this, we're leaving Mexico. Uh, and that's why the whole thing happened, you know. Um, but they don't really teach you that, you know. Well, why would they? You gotta you gotta hunt down the second movie of the episode to learn the true history about Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the untold shit. <laughs> uh, but GJ, I thought you had something. Yeah, I think you wanted to say something else. Don't want to cut oh, you about, off. Yeah, I, about I, I wasn't cutting it. off. You just, you, yeah, you sent us down some really cool rabbit holes. Yeah, I had a couple. The other couple of things I wanted to talk about Viva Zapata before we move on from it. One of them is, um, what do you guys think of the scene where Madero gets executed? Ooh, Matt, you want to go first? Um, by where? Remind me. Oh, you mean the the gunshot, and he's just like Zapata. We'll see you now, or whatever. He, like, he it's one of the, of the um, close. It's like it's like one of the few uh, just close ups close ups of one face in the movie. And it's the mm, interim yeah. president. Not he wasn't the interim president. He was the actual president. Yeah, um, but it's the guy yeah, yeah, after, yeah. as the before the third act of the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It should be noted, like when they won the revolution, they put in an interim president, and then Madero won by a landslide. But uh, it's mm -hmm. not really mentioned in this movie. But like. They gloss over life, a lot, obviously. Yeah, but uh, in real life, like Madero kind of like denounced the Zapatistas and Zapata and. Um, and so then, uh, yeah, yeah. And so then, uh, yeah, there's that scene where, yeah, he gets out of the car. He's surrounded by soldiers. Huerte, who the, is the guy who will coup him later, the right-wing generals, because, of course, they're always going to, you know, I don't know if the CIA existed, but, you know, whatever was before the CIA, that's, what, yeah. that's who helped him. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, I thought uh, I thought it was brilliant. I, I love that scene. It, it stood out to me. It, it felt, like, very, like, European, you know? It felt mm -hmm. very, like... Eisenstein or like Bergman, you know, with the close up, and it was very yeah. like emotional and stuff. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it felt um, it felt more upsetting than some uh than some movie deaths feel. I don't know. It um, mm -hmm. it just like it cap it captured like the blindsidedness of it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's this earlier scene uh, that kind of talks about it foreshadows what you're talking about with the coup, where a yeah. bunch of Zapata's pals are like arguing over whether or not to trust Madero. And they talk about the people that Madero has surrounded himself with and that they're yeah. the same people that they were fighting previously. Yeah. And there's this interesting, like, uh, 
there's this interesting bit of Zapata and like his revolutionary beliefs that is kind of leaking into the movie, I think, through Brando here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because all of that, like, there is a kernel of truth there. And while the Madero thing is extremely romanticized, you can feel like it it doesn't feel like just a guy getting betrayed. It feels like this naive, this this avatar of naivete that walks into the betrayal of the revolution itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my favorite part of, like, of the entire movie, um, and this is obviously like reflecting in my personal politics, right? Which I think, like, like I said, it's kind of like, it's it's a good it's a great movie because like everyone can kind of watch it and get you know like fill in the blanks of their own like <laughs> personal politics right that's, that's what I'm saying like a person like me who's you know sensibly a Marxist can like watch the movie and be like this is cool whereas like a person like John McCain can watch it and be <laughs> like this is cool you know so it's a I think it's a pretty interesting movie for that regard but like my favorite scene is the is a scene where he's talking and and um. And uh, he he tells Zapata that like you, you just need to disarm. You need to go home and like I'll give you a ranch and like you need to mm-hmm. disband your army and like you know disarm, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, well, like give me that watch. And he's like, what? He's like, give me that watch. He gives him the uh, gives him the watch, and you know he's like, okay, well, like here's the gun. He's like, now like uh, you only get this with this, you know, like that's how he's like talking about how like his arm, like his weapons. Yeah. are uh, like uh you know absolutely um pivotal in the fight and he's like and the only reason like you guys are like listening you know is because we defeated like the other people the bad you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. the bad side right we we uh you know we we took took things you know through our own like metal and through our own um, you know, because they wouldn't give it up willingly. Like they were, they were just pushing us off the land, or off our land that we farm. So you have to take matters in your own hands. You know, and and um, obviously, like I will, I like that. I like that scene because the acting, but also like it's very much, um, very much reflective of like my own politics. And like I said, that's kind of what what's interesting about this movie is that it can be reflective of multiple people's politics. Mm-hmm. that's true i really love that scene it's that scene is one of the main reasons why i think it's like a, one of the big brando roles for me yeah because it's like it's like he, it's the ballot or the bullet speech delivered via a man with like unbelievable levels of um <laughs> i'm gonna no <laughs> he's on whatever spectrum that i'm on let me just say that okay yeah yeah <laughs> Um, he's, because you're right, it is like this, it is this, like, almost brutish, he, like, shoves the gun in the guy's face, and he's yanking the, uh, uh, the watch, because, like, it's the, you can see him getting frustrated. Like, the best scenes are when Brando Zapata is, like, getting angry because he can't, like, give a super articulate manifesto speech, Mm -hmm. and then he shows people like his political ideas by like physically shoving it in their faces. Well, in his defense too, like the, 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 um, what, when he's explaining, uh, to him, like, he's not, he's not getting, like, he doesn't understand why they need to stay armed. You know, like it's very, it's a very simple, like it's also totally, dumbing yeah, it down not, for him. Cause he's it's not his fault in that scene. Why he's not being understood. 
but he's yeah. responding to not being understood in the mm-hmm. same way he does in the scenes back on the ranch where in order to get his point across, he like physically starts like shoving people around and uh, like, he, here is the object. Here is the symbol. Understand the concept. Mm-hmm. It's very like primal in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that is, that's, that's what makes the ending of the movie so cool is because he, he is like so anti-intellectual <laughs> throughout the rest <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I do like the the mythologizing too, right? Like we were talking about, kind of the ending, like um, where uh, you know, like like the 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 people, you know, in the beginning were like, okay, well, if you just kill Zapata, like everything will be cool, like we can defeat them easily, right? But mm-hmm. like he does become a martyr, and in in the movie he becomes a martyr, and it just kind of they're like, oh, well, like he's actually in the mountains still. And like, they're just telling themselves this kind of like fiction of like, you know, this great man so that they can continue fighting. Think cause like in the, in the movie, they, they all, it's, it's like he has a, he does have a mythic quality in the movie too, because he, he can lead these people and, and they follow, you know, it's almost like magical Mm -hmm. in that, like he's like a king or, or something along the line, you know, he's like this, uh, this figure that they're willing to like, all die for yeah like he's a he's literally an he becomes an idea and that's why like like i said the you know the modern day zapatista movement like i posted pictures in the discord of uh the modern day what they look like and their leader and stuff um and before before we move on like and get our final thoughts i wanted to talk about like did you guys watch the uh oscar clip that i sent you with Ilya kazan getting his um basically if you haven't seen it um Ilya Kazan in the 90s got uh, an Oscar for, like, you know, his Lifetime Achievement Award. And it kind of made waves at the time because, like, you know, we, we told you who Ilya Kazan was. Uh, and so, um, very famously, like, Nick Nolte, like, everyone's standing up, giving him a standing ovation. Nick Nolte sits there with his arms crossed. Uh, then they cut to, uh, I think it's Ed Harris and his wife, Amy Madigan, again, not clapping, sitting down. Uh, and then they also, it, it was always kind of struck me as weird Spielberg. They cut to Spielberg. He's kind of like lightly clapping and he's definitely not standing up. Um, but yeah, and then there's other people, I won't na- name names, but there are people who are just like, yeah, standing up and giving him the standing, uh, um, he was very, he, he also was being introduced by De Niro and Scorsese. But, um, yeah, what'd you guys think of that? Like. The whole like Ilya Kazan of it, you know. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not like you know, like I I've said you know a couple times like, um, in conversations and then also on the pod, it's not like you know the name doesn't really matter that much. Like at the mm-hmm. beginning, like it does, like it it will it will make me go see a movie, you know, or it will it doesn't like necessarily keep me away. Um, and when I saw it, just when I see his name, I just go like, I, I just immediately go all oh, that rat fuck, you know? And just, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 same. So it sucks that like a movie will start and if it has his name attached to it, I'm like, this guy's a rat fuck. I fucking hate him. Mm-hmm. But like, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, Wells had the best and most damning and a better way of condemning the man than I ever could. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, fuck him forever is basically my point. So true. Um, yeah, so final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about uh, that motherfucker. Um, 
<laughs> I, there are definitely a category of directors, including Kazan, who, when I see the name, I do like a, I, I, I flinch. <laughs> I, yeah, I did too. Yeah, but in spite of his, frankly, horrifying politics, I think that the ending of this movie mm-hmm. is kind of inspiring to me. I'm not gonna lie, like For the. Sure. The resolution of everything that he says leading up to the end of the movie about how he doesn't think they actually need a leader being yeah. that like he basically just like becomes immortal reminds me of like quotes from it reminds me of quotes from Castro, frankly. Mm. Um, it, it reminds me of like other Latin American leaders and how they talk about uh, uh, the, the, the construction of uh, the movement. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like this movie is channeling something that I've heard in the words of real life revolutionary leaders from the region, which mm-hmm. is uh, this description of the revolutionary process, wherein yeah. um, the movement creates these leaders instead of the other way around, where a leader mm. is whipping up the movement. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens at the end of this movie is like Emiliano Zapata, the legend, not the guy is constructed by this mass of peasants who idolize him until he is literally unkillable in their mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I, like like you said, he kind of, like, when, when he dies, it's not that he, like, goes away. He sort of, like, dissipates and becomes this idea. Um, he Yoda's, becomes, like, basically. more powerful. Yeah, yeah. He, um, <laughs> you know, uh, to quote another great movie, um... You know, as Bruce, he would have been just a man, but as Batman, he could be a symbol. You know, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> that, I, that's what I was thinking this whole time, and I'm really sorry. Like I said, you know, no, if you have any cool. complaints at Posting Pro, that's my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'll be sending several lengthy DMs. Uh... <laughs> No, you guys know who it is. You know who to uh, come at. Uh, uh, it's all jokes. Come on. Uh, but yeah, Matt, final thoughts. Um, yeah, I don't think we gave our star rankings. Um, mm. Steven, yeah, or Gigi. What, what's your four. Same, four. Four, four and a half. heart. Mm. Ooh, coveted. Four I, and a I heart. Might, yeah, I, I might move it up to four and a half. Yeah, I really like this movie a lot. Um, like I the said, fast one. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good move. Should we talk about the uh, one that's not sad now? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no. Uh, before we get into the second, well, you know, sad. You know, like he inspired a people. You know, yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> they, the they, ending isn't sad, but like the middle parts the, have some parts that are sad. Yeah, and like seeing what happened to Mexico after, like you know, neoliberalism. Uh, ba- uh the, what, yeah. the cool. Th- I have to mention this. The thing about the Zapatistas is not only are they Marxist and uh, anti-capitalist, but they're specifically anti-neoliberal. And uh, there, it was, I think, I believe it was New Year's Day, 1994, they, like, did this whole raid, and, you know, a, a lot of Zapatas I just got into the Constitution of Mexico, you know, like, he, he, he was influential, like, he, he did, like, it's, they don't really mention that in the movie, but yeah, his, like, like, I, like, again, like, his ideas, like, you know, they, 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 like, became part of the government you know like which like i know like sounds fucked up and like fbi but like no it's like 
But, like, basically, like, he had a positive impact on the way his people were governed, is what I'm trying to say. For sure. I think, like, his life is presented as tragic in the context mm-hmm. of the movie. But I agree. Ultimately, it's an inspiring story. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, the real-life uh, stories of not only him, but also Pancho Villa, who deserves his own entire movie, frankly. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> that That's an insane set of stories on his own. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, yeah. He he uh, he. At the end of his life, he was wrote, he was riding across the border and doing bandit raids in America. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's cool. Um, he's very based. There's a lot of really cool based Mexican guys. That's what like made me feel cool about being Mexican. Yeah, exactly. Like on that level, it is like an uplifting story, and the stories of yeah. those figures in general are for sure. And that's for stars. And yeah, four stars on heart for me as well. And um, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll see you on the other side, ladies and gentlemen. Say you'll be there. Spice World. going to talk 1969's Viva Max directed by Jerry Paris. Um it's th- this movie had a lot of like great like 60s 70s like uh sitcom people faces. There was a lady from Bewitched, there was the guy from MASH. Um there was the ha- there was the guy from Happy Gilmore who gets the company in the end. Uh a lot of interesting guys, a lot of interesting characters, uh, a lot of interesting faces. Um, yeah, this definitely like a screwball comedy, basically about a Mexican regiment, uh, who tries to like retake the Alamo. It's a farce. It's a political farce. Jonathan Winters is in it. He's amazing. He's the king. Um, yeah. Uh, Gigi, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose this and then Matt, give us your thoughts. Sure. Uh, this was the most important movie for me to do on your podcast. I chose Viva Zapata to compliment this. Nice. The reason why is because I need to use your podcast for an ulterior motive. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I need you to understand something about this movie. You cannot watch this movie on a streaming platform. There are mm. I have not been able to find a torrent for it. As far as I know, the only way to watch this movie is uh, if you buy a DVD for this from this one like pretty crappy website mm-hmm. the dvd does not have subtitles it is a pretty like you've seen the quality i ripped the disc that i have you've seen the quality of it um it is very difficult to see this movie and i need more people to watch it and log it on letterboxd so that we can get somebody to release it in any kind of format that is actually accessible to people <laughs> Yeah, I was super stoked when I saw how obscure it was. And you really came through yeah. with uh, with Yellowed, and I was super stoked. And I was like, damn, yeah, I'm going to see a movie not a lot of people have seen. And that makes me feel cool and special. And I like that. Yeah, dude, I was the 100th log on Letterboxd. <laughs> yes! Nice. I guess I was 101. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to share it with people. It's a very bizarre movie, and I have a real quick story to tell about how I know about this movie. So my mother, huge movie buff, uh, made me watch all of the like Gen X canon movies, basically. Um, 
her mother, my grandmother, uh, has a doctorate in film studies. She taught at my local community college for many years. Oh, wow. Um, and so they taught me everything I know about movies, and we talk all the time about movies, right? My grandma's mm-hmm. husband, not a movie guy. Grandpa doesn't watch a lot of movies. He likes soccer and live music. <laughs> okay. Um, but his, for years, for years of my life, the first, like, entirety of my life until I saw this movie for the first time when I was probably, like, 19, mm-hmm. he would always bring up, whenever the conversation was about movies, he'd be like, hey, you ever, you ever seen this movie called Viva Max? And everyone mm-hmm. would be like, no, what is that? You've never heard of that. Yeah. And he'd be like, this is movie, Jonathan Winters in it. They, they take the Alamo. It's real funny. And for years, my mother refused to believe it was a real movie. He, she <laughs> thought, she genuinely thought he was making it up in his head or he had like misremembered a real movie that actually existed mm. until I tracked down a copy of it from some yeah. obscure website to prove that it exists so that we could all watch it. And lo and behold, I love this movie. It fucking rocks. I laugh at yeah. it every time. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, like I said, when John Winter showed up, I was like, okay, shit's about to get good. <laughs> like, I was, I was really stoked. Um, Matt, what'd you think? What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so this one is, uh, important, uh, in the conversation of, uh, last week's episode, too, because mm-hmm. I think, Stephen, I told you that, like, we need three star part movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a exactly three star part movie. Exactly um, correct. Uh, yeah, it's great. And then also, we do need to preface um, any conversation about comedies are always like, just like go into like we can talk about technical aspects of film. We can talk about plot. We can talk about character. We can talk about story. You know, we can talk about direction. You know, mise en scène. Talk about all this stuff. But for yeah. comedies, you just have to tell the jokes that are your favorites. Yeah. 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 True. Um, I laughed so hard in the opening when they go <laughs> we'll get into it more but like in the opening when they go across to America and they stop a, a family with a way too old son in the car Yeah, <laughs> he's like what are you doing he's just like sir get out of the car like sorry it's a casualty of war right yeah. and he's, the dad says he gets yeah. pulled out. He says, "Just don't rape my wife." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was my first huge laugh in the movie because yeah, he's like it's him, his wife, and his like young son, and they like get stopped. His young and son. He, yeah, he's it like, uh, no. what? The son looks way too old for the age. The of son the is like forty-five. Yeah, so yeah, funny. he's yeah, very young son. He's um, supposed to be young, yeah. But yeah, so like. Uh, <laughs> And he, he's like telling his wife, like, don't worry, honey, I, I got this handled. And as soon as the Mexicans try to pull him out of the car, he's like, don't rape my wife. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Like, it, it, it kind of proves my point that, like, you know, like, there's the saying that, like, you can get away with anything as long as it's funny. I'm pretty sure a Mexican guy came up with that. But, all, like, I, I think there's this other thing of, like, as much as we hate to admit it, like, Stuff being a little offensive or wrong or edgy okay. kind of makes it a little funnier, right? Like, uh, if if okay. you know if you know it's wrong, right? Like, there are people who I don't know. 
I yeah. I'm I not mean, what totally do you think? Sure about that. So my thought about okay, you're you're getting around the like edgy humor question, right? There's a rape joke in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, there are several jokes about racial slurs about Mexican people. There is an unbelievably funny and prescient sto- uh, plot line where a woman is convinced that they work for the Chinese government. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was so good. Yeah. And they're, they're like, she, she's like a QAnon the blueprint. Yeah, she's extremely um, racist and hates China, and that's the lady it, from Bewitched. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of bits like that in the movie. Um, and I don't, uh, I think that I don't need to defend them because this is my line when it comes to is edgy humor more funny? Um, is it okay to joke about anything? Here's the thing. The premise that the two sides are there are things you can joke about and there's things you don't joke about is a false premise. Mm-hmm. The question is how you joke about them. Yeah. Nobody I have ever encountered genuinely thinks that you can't joke about literally anything, mm-hmm. but everyone knows that there are uh, uh, ways of joking about things mm-hmm. that you find <laughs> funny and humorous, and yeah. there are ways of joking about things that you find distasteful. <laughs> That's just the way it is. No, um, I totally I agree. Find, yeah, I agree I 100%. Yeah. The ways that this movie jokes about rape and racism, to me, make the butt of the joke white people for the most part yeah 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 and so i think that they are good like i don't need to get into the question of whether or not they're edgy to me i don't think that that's even like a place we need to go to yeah yeah blazing saddles is a great great example of that too right because like i was always telling like like if if you watch that movie if you're watching carefully the like the butt of the jokes are like the white people that are stupid right like the the fact that the white people are so stupid is like the main joke of that movie. Yeah. Um, one of the last gags of this one is one of the last gags of this movie is somebody telling a guy you can't say wetback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, this movie definitely, definitely, I agree, Gigi. It's like this movie goes into the like, like, like you said, it's not, it's not even like because because they make some like offensive jokes, but but like it's so funny because you know one of the main jokes in the movie is like um it's it's such like a pointless like they're they're taking control of the alamo and they have like a hundred men without like bullets right and they're all like you know they're all like it's like they're completely like they're they're kind of like a failing as like an invasionary force like like the united Mm -hmm. states government doesn't care about them but also like the united states government literally can't do anything to like stop them because they're so stupid and feckless too just fundamentally incompetent. That's where yeah, the so like both sides are just completely incompetent. Yeah, I think that there are some like I don't think that this is a radical film, right? Uh, but I think that like in general, the bent of the humor is progressive, in spite of the problematic things about it, which obviously are the the, the um, I'm going to call it implied brownface because he's not playing a real person, so you can't actually mm-hmm. like cross-reference the ethnicity, but like <laughs> it's a non-Latino white people playing uh, Latino people. Yeah, yeah. Regardless <laughs> of like the actual race stuff. Um, and the other thing that is uh, also problematic, arguably about this movie, although it's it works better here because it's a screwball comedy, is that similar to the last movie, there is um, there is a kind of uh, uh, almost n- uh, noble 
I don't want to say noble savage, but like noble simpleton esque um, mm-hmm. uh, thing going on with the uh, portrayal of the figures. Although, again, like you said, everyone is literally a buffoon in this movie, and ultimately the Mexicans look way better than the Americans, like by far. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite scene in the movie, I think, uh, really like clarifies where the movie's politics are, which is like slightly left of liberal. <laughs> Um, because there's a character in the movie who uh, is me if I was like 14. Yeah. <laughs> who wants to interview the main character. Yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah. American, yeah. Yeah. There's this young, beautiful American woman who is taken hostage when mm-hmm. uh, a general takes the Alamo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. General Maximilian. Uh, and uh, she she's obsessed with interviewing the man because she assumes and ultimately he uh gets convinced by her to take on the role of these like higher ideals of your Guevara's of your Zapata's of your yeah. um Castro's she name checks a couple of people I think she uh talks about um Chavez um yeah. and uh and and he goes eventually to he get, he kind of gets like talked into the hype um, and believing he's like proving a point about his national pride, but he starts out in the same place that Zapata starts out at the beginning of the previous movie, which is doing it for the ladies. Oh yeah, yeah, it's all for a woman. Both movies begin with the guy trying to prove that a woman who is um, femdoming him is wrong about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you... exa- oh, go ahead, Matt. What do you think of the movie? Me or him, Steven. Oh yeah, no, I, like yeah. So like I said, I really liked it. Like you said, like yeah, like three and a half star comedy for me. Like it's like a farce, you know. It's not like generally like yeah, like it, like I said, I thought it was funny. It got some really big laugh for me, and like you said, it's like good to have like a good funny movie to watch. Like there just aren't that many you know like um yeah, it's silly and goofy but like it's just fun <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's a big thing we always talk about right matt like fun right yeah like, fun fun movies are in short supply and like also like i said you have to realize that a three a three banger heart movie is is very good sometimes can be better than a five-star movie like yeah gotta, yeah I, yeah yeah in terms of how much enjoyment you get out of it absolutely without without that yeah, um, and, and it's, I get a it's, lot of enjoyment out of this movie. Yeah, it's pretty great too, because like watching it like after like Zapata, like you know, because Zapata's like a serious like mm. you know, it's a serious movie. It's like wanting to be taken serious, and it's about yeah, Mexican it's revolutionary. And then like this movie is a perfect. These two movies are perfect pairing because like Viva Max like definitely is a like it, it feels like a, a almost like a Brooksian parody of of. Zapata, right? Like the yeah, like if like if someone watched like Zapata and was like, I can make a parody of that. Like they'd make Viva Max, you know, like this ridiculous story of like this guy who's like, you know, like crossing, <laughs> you know, crossing to go retake the Alamo, and like the only reason the soldiers are with him is because like they're threatened to like they keep getting threatened to get killed. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just incredible, it's like, incredible comedy. He press gangs his platoon into like deserting with him, marching across the American border and retaking the Alamo, ostensibly to right the wrongs of what we talked about in the first half of the episode with 
um, uh, what happened in Texas mm-hmm. um, in the early 1800s. But what he's actually doing is he's attempting to prove the woman uh, of his, uh, the, the love of his life, uh, that he is not a fat loser who can't get anything done and is not respected by his own men. He's been, he's been cucked and he needs to yeah. reclaim his honor. And so he marches into America to reclaim the Alamo from Texas and he wins. And in doing so, he somehow convinces himself and ultimately, spoilers, all of his men in a very funny way, um, that uh, he was actually the inspirational leader they needed the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like he didn't ultimately achieve his goal of whatever it was. Like he did retake the Alamo, but whatever, you know, he had to go I mean, back I home. I feel like he does. Like that's the thing is like, yes, he gets um, escorted out at the end. Like they don't keep mm. the Alamo, but they leave completely alive and the Americans are humiliated. Like he's yeah. from the, from both the uh, perspective of a guy who's just looking to show that he still had nuts and mm. from the perspective of just trying to embarrass the American empire to get a little bit of national pride back. I think, like in both in both views, he's kind of proved his point by the end of the movie. He's demonstrated that he can do it. He's demonstrated that it's possible to reclaim the Alamo without firing a single shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's what I found what I found like interesting about the movie, right? Because like I I think you're you're completely right, GG, in that like he succeeds, but like and and another thing like the kind of like the object of ridicule. It's like rare to see like an older movie kind of like you know like it's not rare to see but it's like uh like rare to find like a comedy or, or something around this time that will paint like american like a you know a pretty a pretty bleak light whereas like one of the criticisms like of america in this movie is that like our we have like these fake like generals right because he's like let me find the general and like one of the characters is uh He's a mattress salesman who's in the National Guard, right? And like he's very yeah. much like a his like the symbol, right, of like American militarism, right? American <laughs> heroism. because uh, like um Max is, you know, like a he's trying to be a revolutionary leader and like even, you know, like even though his men are afraid of him, like um his little subordinate guy, like the one who threatens to shoot in the shoot the men, like has to believe in him to a certain extent to like you know, yeah. be willing to uphold like the sanctity of the Mexican uh, army. I think, right? I definitely think Mexican Smithers believes in him for sure, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. And um, uh, eventually, and this, guy, this guy who's in the national, is. this guy who's just yeah. in the national guard, who's like the general that, that goes and negotiates with him, has never seen action and is like his yeah. mattress salesman. You know, and I'm yeah. like, that, that's probably the most like undermining, like damning portrayal of like. Totally. You know. And then you've got you've got the cigar chomping sheriff who doesn't even think yeah. he's a real general. He like takes yeah. the name down over the phone and he's like General Lissimo Maximilian. Yeah. Um, and you don't get like a real military guy until almost at the end of the movie, and he's completely he's a character out of um Doctor Strangelove. Like he's a bat Yeah, shit. yeah. Uh like he's he's uh he's too He's, he's too cartoonishly invested in the the regimentation, and it, uh, it, it it's, it's it's a it's a Beetle Bailey cartoon at the end. Like it's, it's yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The, the people who are uh, getting goofed on in the third act the hardest are those three white characters, and that's the baller era for Max and the Mexicans. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, uh, it's great. Uh, Matt, did you? <clears throat> are you like a big like old sitcom? I I don't think you are, right? You're not like a big old sitcom guy. Like you didn't, you weren't, you didn't watch this and go like, oh, that's the guy from Mash, right? Or like, I know no. that, I know that mom. No, I, I I didn't recognize anyone like that. Okay, because that was a big thing for me. It was like, oh man, yeah, this just felt felt like a lot of good old like faces that I've seen a lot. The really racist lady, like I said, um. She's a famous yeah. character actor and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was cool. It felt like a big... I feel like this is like how they used to do comedies. They used to do like... Just like get all the stars together and have them do funny stuff, you know? Yeah, do these dumb gags. Like the thing where he has like the revolver. Uh, the thing where they change out the flag. Um, yeah. The, the entire sequence with the family in the car at the beginning. Um, it's just a bunch of really good like bits along the way of this weird little journey. And it's super fun. I, it, it's like watching it like, and seeing all the faces to me kept making me think, like, why have I never heard about this movie ever before? Like, it's so wild to me that this just like vanished off the face of the earth. Because like, it's not like it's OK. Is it the greatest movie of all time? No. But it's worth talking about and showing like your kids or something like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it not bad you- enough to just like forget, I think. It makes you wonder, like, how much stuff like this there is out there. Like, how much? Oh yeah, there's got to be like this ocean of movies that are just like not on streaming platforms, not being talked about in on movie Twitter or whatever um, that we just don't know about. I'm like, I'm only, I'm in my early twenties. Like, I Mm. (laughs) my movie knowledge is like so small compared to um, some of the peers that we have on uh, Twitter and Mm. who do podcasts like this. You got a pretty big knowledge base of movies I that. i'm doing all right but like even if that's the case like that only proves my point more which is that like the actual depth of the ocean of movies is so mm-hmm. deep like i've seen compared to like the average person yeah i've seen a lot of movies but like i think about how many i haven't seen and it's like daunting mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much out there that i just have no no knowledge of which is why like you can go to somebody's filmography on letterboxd or imdb and scroll mm-hmm. down, and you're like, wait, this doesn't even seem like it could possibly exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, like I said, yeah, it makes me want, because like I said, I'm always like digging for stuff and being like, man, have I found everything? Like, is there, okay. I'm sure there's like plenty of stuff that I haven't like discovered, but I, it's crazy how much stuff like just straight up isn't available to stream or even available on physical media. Yeah, like, at the very least, I should be able to, like, order uh, a decent disc copy of this movie, even if I can't stream it. Like, the fact that I had Mm -hmm. to hunt down a website that, like, nobody's ever... It's called... I think it's called (laughs) cheesyflicks.com. Okay, yeah. Um, I believe is who uh, released this movie. Uh, If you work there, shout out to you for releasing this movie. You're the only people trying to keep this movie alive. I don't know if you are actually like good or if you're shady but like respect um but like somebody should release a decent quality version of this movie with like a transcription for subtitles or something like yeah i I had to watch uh the todd salon's movie happiness on a website called fuckedupmovies.com oh god yeah yeah that's uh that's not one of my higher you know better moments in life yeah i watch a lot of shit on um uh, it, it, in shadier places in like yeah. 240p <laughs> yeah you got you uh, have to 
Well, that's I, why, that's why I, I started like uh, collecting physical media again. You know, because mm. like I was a big, yeah. I was a big DVD guy, and I was a big blind buying DVD guy. Like I just yeah, same. Story blind buy stuff and i don't do that now anymore i do that for vhs tapes i've got about 250 right now nice. um in the shack that i live in nice um, um but yeah, yeah. If I, I i would buy if i would i would buy a blu-ray of this movie in a, in, in like that yeah. yeah without hesitation somebody get this make this happen yeah um, it's like you, you yeah like it's like the... this movie and you're and you like that can find me on Twitter. Reach out. I can try to help you get to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like all these movies, like you were saying, all these movies that are like going away and everything. Like I I I think I came to the realization that like I needed to buy some stuff that like I just couldn't. Like I feel like if I'm 50 years old and like the internet is like changed and there's stuff that's missing, like I have to watch these movies. You know, there's like certain ones that I bought. So like specifically like. And this is before it came back on Shutter. It was before it came back on streaming. But there was no place to like rent or watch Prince of Darkness when I first watched it like yeah, last yeah. year. And I was like, there's no way in hell that I am not watching a John Carpenter movie. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. like if like I have to have this Carpenter movie because like, you know, if that place decides to shut down that I watched it originally, like if it has to shut down, then like that's that's it. Like I'm at the uh, mercy and whims of whatever streaming service wants to pick that up if they want to mm-hmm. pick it up, you know? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. that's why I was buying like the Shout Factory, like Carpenter stuff, because I was, you know, so worried about not being able. I mean, I bought, you know, same thing with like Sorcerer. Like I bought Sorcerer on Blu ray because I know that's a little easier to find, but also like it's not on a streaming service anywhere. Like if YouTube wants to not allow you to rent it, then you can't rent it anymore. So, yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, final thoughts, guys. Uh, hey, I'd like to say, let's go first. I'd like to say something about nationalism. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um. Okay. So the two my okay my big pitch for why you should watch this movie or like the two selling points to try get me to get you to watch this movie if you're listening to this are the scene where uh, a young white college student interviews the Mexican general and he attempts to convince her that he's just doing it for this woman back at home. Mm. And she talks him into thinking that it's about like a higher ideal as a Mexican nationalist. Yeah, yeah. And the (laughs) other scene in this movie that I think is like to die for is anything with the woman from Bewitched because Mm -hmm. she is such a like weirdly... I guess it's not actually prescient. It's just that this has been in this country for like a really long time. Yeah, yeah. But like the strain of like xenophobic, specifically mm-hmm. uh, American nationalism she represents, feels so familiar to me now. It's like such a sure. huge part of our culture at this point. Yeah. Um, like really mainstream. Like she is treated like a crank in the context <laughs> of the movie. But that's like standard. Like everything that she says is standard beliefs for like the entirety of the Republican Party and, like, some mm. of the Democratic Party. Yeah, um, it's all China. Yeah. Uh, those two scenes are hilarious, and I want to... You, you brought up, at the beginning of the episode, just beefs you have on Twitter. And a thing that I have a very hard time articulating in a Twitter thread, but I 
um, talk about a lot when it comes to these kinds of movies and when people question me about my, uh, uh, like, why I'm so glib about someone like Tariq Nasheed at the top of this episode. Um, yeah. And when people ask me about uh, why I love RRR so much and why I get a kick out of these movies. Um, and people, uh, people have a certain reaction to uh, the nationalism of all of those things uh, mm. because they are national. Um, but my response, my defense, as it were, is that uh, if a white person and a colonized person inserts uh, an indigenous person in the Americas, uh, an indigenous mm. person in the Indian subcontinent, indigenous person who's black uh, if one of those people and a white person both come to you and they both say uh my people are under threat there is a vast conspiracy against us mm-hmm. and we need to stand together in order to uh survive um one of those two people is just objectively lying yeah. you don't need to like make any moral judgments about the logic you can just mm-hmm. tell that one of them is historically correct and the other one is making up nonsense <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So for that reason, I don't think I need to defend uh, the nationalism of indigenous people and colonized people. It's not the same. Uh, uh, for and sure, the, yeah. the movie, the movie shows you two very good examples. <laughs> that that's my soapbox for the episode. Thank you for the time. Oh yeah, of course. Anyway, this movie is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two very funny bits, and uh, you should watch it. It's not the best thing I've ever seen, but it's a solid three stars. And I'm giving it a heart because it's just a really fun time in the movies. And what more can you ask for, for a, from a 90 minute movie? This movie yeah. is like an hour and a half. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. It's super short. Idea. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a fun time. It's a breezy watch. Yeah. It's easy breezy. You float through it. You have a good time. It's yeah, funny. For you sure. can quote it with your friend. <laughs> it's got Gomez Adams. Hey, you know, yeah. what more could you want? Matt, final thoughts? Yeah, um, just like I've been saying throughout the entire episode, um, you need you need certified fun times at the movies sometimes, you know? And this does get the certified, and that's what I'm saying, three stars and a heart, certified fun time at the movies. Um, it's pretty funny, you know? It wasn't like, like I'm saying, it was kind of like a little Mel Brooks, you know, light. Like, it wasn't anything, it wasn't as close to good as Blazing Saddles, but also, like, not every film needs to be as good as Blazing Saddles, you know? Yeah. So, like, um, for me, like, I, yeah, I, I think it is, it's crazy that this movie didn't get um, picked up at all. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, no one, yeah. like you're saying, like, it's just this random sketch DVD website that you bought it from you had to like give you know you had to like um help us you know get it so yeah i uh, had to go through a like shit ton of uh hassle and get help from another i get i had to get help from burger enjoyer who was previously on an episode of the show um to be able to even show this movie to someone without physically giving mm-hmm. them the dvd um so if anyone knows an easier way to watch it or can or has any ideas about how to make this movie more watchable Hit me up on Twitter at BuckBroken99. <laughs> good movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. It's a, it's a, like I said, certified fun time, and uh, it's crazy that it, it just, it's been vanished. You know, like, like mm. I, I, I think it's interesting, um, Gigi, that you said your your grandfather, who's not a fan of movies, was like, you should watch this movie. It's pretty cool. It's pretty funny. Right. He brought, like, up, he brought up at like every party for like ten straight years of my life. Mm. It was incredible. Like how many, how many movies? How many movies are like that, you know? 
and because like you're you're you come from such a film loving like family right like i i you know i i've talked about my history with like film and like how you know i'm pretty much like the biggest film guy like i know personally you know like in person um so yeah it's uh it's interesting that you have that how many people like come from families who have seen these weird little films and haven't like like haven't tracked them down you know because like if you didn't track it down like 99 people on letterbox would have only watched it you know (laughs) like it wouldn't have got that 100th log Mm-hmm. or the 101st or 102nd exactly. um my final thoughts thank you cheesy flicks thank you fucked up movies.com you're doing the lord's work um yeah um so with that gg if you have any final plugs here you go and then after that matt uh next week's your pick so go ahead and tell us what you're picking next week cool uh, um, did you go ahead for plugs Sure. Uh, I don't. I don't have a lot to plug. I really like this podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at BuckBroken99. Uh, I'm on Letterbox. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Letterbox uh, at Movie Hadeen. You just replace the Muja in Muja Hadeen with the word <laughs> movie. Um, uh, hit me up about the, about this movie, and uh, I, I don't know. Um, if, if you see me interacting with any of my girlfriends, you can follow them. They're cool. They're cute. Nice. Oh, oh so, yeah, so, Matt. What, what, what do you got? What do you got for us for next oh, week? Thank you so. Oh, thank you so much for having me. By the way, I. I oh yeah, really, like I said, you, you're welcome back anytime. You know, just let I us know if you have a double feature. You're very, very kind, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about my bullshit. Oh, we love <laughs> it. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for coming on. Um, also, take that dad course cinema club hashtag podcast beef. Um, yeah, yeah. No, have me on. Have me on. You know you want to see the Tony Scott version of Taking Pelham 123. Brandon and Charlie. It's a banging movie. It rocks. It's for dads. It's also for yeah. me, a woman. Me and, Matt, me and Matt both watched it. Yeah, it's even, incredible. Not even for the podcast. We just did it because you said, hey, watch this movie. Yeah, and so good, we watched right? it. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's amazing. I'd, I'd seen it before. Um, you know, it's like honestly the a double feature that i do want to do one day I, i'm not gonna spoil it but yeah it's just um it's one of the it's one of the greatest train movies ever made um it scratches that 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 itch of the the, <laughs> of the spectrum for me um yeah it's it's incredible um yeah so i literally was like racking my brain because i was like okay i can't come up with like an interesting uh double feature and i was like you know, getting busier with school and everything. And I was like, Oh no, like what, what double feature am I going to do? And, and you know what? I was like, okay, I've got a great theme. I just recently rewatched one of these movies. So here's my double feature. We're doing a Daniel Craig does a silly Southern accent, double feature of Logan lucky and knives out. Let's fucking go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah <laughs> so that's yeah. our double feature for next week <laughs> we don't stop <laughs> yeah both. Uh, that should be interesting um <laughs> i i man oh what am i gonna say about knives out uh okay we'll figure it out talk about how twitter it is and how that's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I, I I like Ryan Johnson, you know, I, I like The Last yeah. Jedi, so I don't have like any beef with him personally, but uh um, yeah. 
Well, no, well save it, we'll save see. It. We'll save see. Yeah, tease them, tease them. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you. Glad to share these uh, these two movies with Gigi, our friend from the group chat. If you guys want to join the group chat, hit us up. I got a bunch of uh, a bunch of people I added recently, so mm-hmm. there might not be enough room. But also, if you guys are listening and you want to do an episode, um, hit me up. Hit the podcast account up. Um, we can make it happen. But uh, yeah, again, Gigi, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. I had a lovely time. Cool. Uh, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the double feature. Thank you for joining us. See you on the other side, folks. Yep. See you next week.